Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Awesome. You can take your seats. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, we are going to read together uh, John chapter 8, verse 21. And this is titled, Dispute Over Who Jesus Is. Uh, It's going to come up on the screens. Let's check it out. It says this, Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Sorry, I should have just said this. He's talking to the religious leaders of the day, and uh, they have hard hearts to God, and they're very religious. Here we go, verse 22. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are far from below. Oh, sorry, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand what he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, speaking of himself, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. Verse 31, uh, many believed in him. Verse 31, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Come on, know the truth. Jesus here is speaking to people about the fact that he is the son of God, that he has come to do his father's business, that God in heaven is in fact his father and that he had come to the earth as a representation of God, as God, as God's Son, as God in a bod, as Jesus Christ the Messiah, to come to give mankind an opportunity for salvation, forgiveness, and a new life. He speaks about once, that, once you put your faith in Him, once you believe in Him, once you believe what He's saying, that you'll know the truth and that the truth will set you free. I love it. It's a beautiful picture of almost having a blindfold lifted off your face. You can finally see, having scales peeled from your eyes, something which was impairing you from truly seeing being removed. And once removed, being able to see the truth that Jesus Christ is in fact God's son and that his finished work on the cross has given you and I an opportunity for salvation. John chapter 17, a little bit later, this is Jesus speaking again. He says, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have, this is Jesus speaking to God, I've given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Verse 17, love this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Um, Verse 16 again, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them 
by the truth. Love it. Jesus saying sanctify them. What does that mean? Set them apart. Set my people apart by the truth. Separate them from others. Separate them from everybody else. Distinguish them from everyone else by the truth of your word at work within them. Separate people that believe in me from everybody else by the word of God, by the truth. Jesus said in the New Testament, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God's word is truth. We know what truth is because of God and his word. Followers of Jesus Christ should be set apart, different because of their relationship with truth. Christians, believers in Jesus Christ should look different. They should be acting different, talking different, behaving different, thinking different because of their relationship and their understanding and their value of the truth. The devil wants to devalue truth. The devil wants to devalue truth in your life and the enemy is working flipping hard to devalue truth in society. If he can do that, he can cause you to do the following. Be comfortable with counterfeit. These all have the same letter. I don't know what that's called. Alliteration? Anyway. Comfortable with counterfeit. Easily digest deception. Liaise with lying and frolic with fake. I say all that to say this. The enemy's working really hard for you to be more comfortable with counterfeits, deceit, lying, fakeness, and half-truths than you are with the truth. We live in a world where when you tell somebody the truth, they squirm in their seat, but they don't squirm at all when there's lies and half-truths and deceit and fakeness happening. If the, if the devil can succeed in devaluing truth, it means so much less to people and society when we say that God is truth. The response is, how nice for you. Love that that is true for you. When we say that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and the Word of God is the truth, people say, that's so nice for you. And my dad jokes about it. Someone said to him, I love that you found a hobby. <laughs> it's not a hobby. <laughs> when, we talk about, when we talk about truth in light of God and His Word, we mean that there is no other. We mean that there can be no other. But when truth is devalued, the statement that God and His Word is the truth loses its power. We devalue truth by believing that there's multiple truths regarding, most importantly, God, faith, and the afterlife, that truth's open to interpretation, that that's not the truth, that's a personal truth rather than a universal truth. This is currently a big thing. And to a degree in society, it's encouraged and celebrated. I don't know if you know this, but in 2016, the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year was post-truth. They pick a word which they want to celebrate and affirm, and it represents the year that it wins. They wanted to pick the Word of the Year was post-truth. What does that mean? The disappearance of shared objective standards for truth, relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion then appeals to emotion and personal belief. Something said or a view, a belief, is either true or it's not. But we now celebrate the idea that we're, we're post-truth. When we devalue truth, we actually set ourselves up to devalue God. Because God is truth. One of God's Hebrew names is El Amet, God of truth. 
His word is the truth. His spirit is the spirit of truth. And it works backwards too. And you see it when we devalue God as individuals, as a society, truth goes out the window as well. And we're seeing that right now. I just shared with you, 2016 dictionary word of the year was boast truth. We've thrown God out, truth's the next to go. When we throw truth out, God's the next to go. I'll show you this. Time magazine in 1966 did on the front cover a question, is God dead? 1966, they were talking about, is God dead in America? Is the concept of God, is the idea of God dead in America? 51 years later, guess what was on the cover? In the same font, is truth dead? Because they killed God 50 years before, so now truth's gone out the window as well. Because God is truth. Here's what I know. Anyone who values truth and is on a genuine pursuit for truth finds Jesus Christ. Finds God the Father, Christ the Son, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And anyone on a pursuit for God will be identifiable by their relationship with truth. What does that look like? A belief in it as a thing at all. That truth exists. That there are things that are true and things that aren't a value for truth, and the pursuit of truth. I don't know if there's anyone in the room, mostly millennials probably, who have played truth or dare. Come on, who's played truth or dare? A couple of very slow hands going up. Um, Truth or dare is a game where you, you pose the question to someone, you take it in turns, you say, would you like to tell the truth or do a dare? And here's what I've learned. People will do crazy stuff just so they don't have to be truthful. They will do ridiculous stuff just to avoid telling the truth. They will do something they would never do just so they don't have to be honest. Just so they don't have to share perhaps what's really going on, they'll do some crazy behaviors. Why is that? It's because the truth can hurt. The truth challenges. The truth can convict us. The truth can make us feel guilty And the truth can make us, for most grade sevens playing this game, reconsider our choices. Listen, like the avoidance of truth in that game, our society and our culture is caught up in mistruths and living fakely because it's too uncomfortable to talk about the truth, to face the truth. But in doing so, it leaves us living in denial, living deceived, and that's exactly what the devil wants. So truth or dare, that game reflects, I believe, a common condition in people where we're willing to take big risks just so we don't have to face the truth, so we don't have to be honest and truthful about where our life's at, where our life's heading, what we think's going to happen when we die. We often will do crazy things to not be truthful because we don't want to face maybe things we're doing that we're not proud of. When I was in grade six, I was not a good person to play that game with. And I'll just give you some backstory. So my parents are pastors, and I I grew up in the church. I was born in the church, popped in an offering bucket, taken to the back for counting. Anyway, I grew up in church, so I was very sheltered. And had I have played this game in year eight, it might have been a bit different. But in grade six, I was not the best person to play this game with because I went to a birthday party once, and we all sat in a circle. And they said, all right, Jordan, it's your turn. Who has kissed you? Truth or dare? I said, truth. And everyone's like, leaning in real close. And I said, well, my nan has kissed me. And everyone's like, oh. As you can imagine, all the grade sixes roll their eyes. 
then it does a lap of the room. We've got people doing all sorts of crazy dares. It gets back to me. All right, Jordan, truth or dare? I'm like, truth? What's the, what's the craziest thing you've smoked? I'm like, salmon? <laughs> Brisket? And... Does another lap of the room. Comes back to me. They're like, all right, Jordan, truth or dare? And I, I say, okay, truth. Like, what's the craziest thing you've ever drank? I was like, ooh. Brown spearmint shake. And everyone's like, oh, eyes roll back in the head. However, I had one friend there, one friend there who was up to no good. Even in grade six, he had his main girlfriend and he had his secondary girlfriend. So every time, every time it got to his turn, truth or dare, it was dare. I watched this kid drink stuff, eat stuff, knock and run every house in the street, do a dance, try and backflip the couch, just to avoid being truthful. Why? Because the truth for him was too difficult to face. It was much easier for him to try and knock and run the whole street than it was to face the consequences of his actions. So he did all the dares to avoid the truth. The further we come away from the truth, the harder it is to find it again. The harder it is to identify it and the less we value it and the less we begin to feel like we need it. My, my generation um, often cries out that we want what's real. But what we expect from others in society, we don't often expect from ourselves. People say they want what's real, but I don't actually believe that they want what's true. Because what's true is often challenging, convicting, causes us to look at ourselves. And maybe there's some things we don't like about the truth. So I've got three points on how to live in truth, not dare. Here's why. Because the truth will set you free. All right, number one is this. Do away with fake. Do away with fake. Um, anyone that's been to Bali would know the first time you get there, you can't believe how cheap you can get like Nikes for until you look closely and it's actually Air Force mics. And you're like, mate, you know, and you're like, man, 10 bucks for Converse All-Stars. It's like the call bars or something, Converse call bars. And if the logo's backwards or you're like, man, that's so cheap for a, Le a LeBron James jersey. And then you're looking like, he didn't play for Denver. You know, like it's, it's close, but not quite. Um, Here's the thing, when you buy a, a fake, when you buy a counterfeit, often from the outside, they look pretty real. I bought vans from Bali once, they looked real. Guess who knew they were fake? Me, because they were flipping painful. I had blisters on the back of my heel, the laces were too, I was digging into my feet, the, the shape was weird. Everybody on the outside's going, man, that's sick vans, Geordie picked up some sweet shoes and I'm on the inside going I cannot wait to get these off my feet you know putting up a facade being fake can often look appealing to everybody else but the person doing it is in a lot of pain living a fake life putting up a front is painful and you know with fakes and counterfeits we even see that with faith and spirituality across the earth there are counterfeits 
of the Spirit of God. There's fakes of the Spirit of God. And you know, my generation might look at someone that does a backpack across Nepal and goes and kisses a goat's foot to reach Nirvana. And their life looks like Nirvana when in fact their soul can be in torment. And there's a lot of counterfeits across the earth. We went to Sri Lanka and people travel a long way to go and kiss um, the Buddha's chipped tooth. And it's going to help them with spirituality. It's an absolute counterfeit and a fake. It's trying to mimic the power that's in the power of God. And there's people that get sucked into that because it looks like these people are reaching a state of nirvana. And listen, on the outside, it might look like the Air Force Nikes, but on the inside, these people are in a lot of pain. And the reality is we can have joy this side of heaven in fakeness and counterfeit, but on the other side, we can spend it in torment. We need to do away with fake with how we behave, but we need to do away with fake with how we approach the things of God and spirituality. Wearing fake hurts. And we've all been there. You get somebody, you hit you up at school or at church, and they, how are you? And you're like, man, I'm doing so well. Just brilliant. You know, I remember one time I was at church, and there was someone I could see. Something was eating them up on the inside. Their behavior changed. They were, they were flat. One minute, they were like the Energizer bunny. Then they came in like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. And I said to him, I was like, hey, man, how are you going, Bro so good. I was like, really? How are things going, man? He's like, bro, I was in my car the other day, just spending time with God, and I was just weeping, crying, God's presence, presence. I was like, wow. That's awesome. I was like, that's awesome. I asked him one more question about something that I knew he was navigating, and he was just, nah, man, yeah, everything's a mess. I was like, bro, why did you do that? Listen, we can laugh at that story, but we all do that. Here's the big risk. We start doing it with people, and we begin doing it with God. We have to do away with fake with how we deal with people, but so much more importantly, with how we walk with God. Being real, being truthful, is genuine but vulnerable. And God can heal and empower you, not the person you're trying to be. Not the Instagram you or the onstage you, the real you. I just want to say, it, it can be really hard to value the truth when your mind is full of reality TV. When I'm speaking to someone fake personas, fake smiles, and fake boobs. When that is... Here's what I want to say. Come on. Come on, we've got to be real here. Come on. We want to be set apart by the truth. We have a value for the Word of God as true above everything else. We, we behave differently. We value authenticity, genuineness, realness, the real deal. If our social media f is filled with the opposite, very quickly we get caught up in it. Getting more real might look like a bit of a social media overhaul on who you follow, um, of the shows that you watch and the people that you look up to. 
What can start to happen if we're not careful is we can become cynical of everyone. And we start to go, are they legit or not? Because now, by now we don't even know what truth looks like. Here's what we all say. I hate judgmental people. And then we, well, then we say to someone, that person's so fake. And in that moment, we're being judgmental. And because everyone's being, we think everyone's being fake, we don't up, open up too, and we start being fake. Guess what? We're now part of the problem we hate. The way to deal with the issue of fake people, and come on, fake Christians and fake faith, is to start with yourself, to hold to the teachings of the Word of God. And we can't know the truth if we don't know the Word. You know, I want to encourage you that we've got to approach God with vulnerability and authenticity and realness and being honest about where we are at. There's an awesome story in the Bible about someone who had a withered hand. And, and back then, if you had something like that, that was visible and, and it affected your, your living, you were often cast out and not encouraged to be in public places and to have it showing at all. I love this story where Jesus calls the person forward with the withered hand and in front of a crowd, Jesus says, stretch forth your hand. And now I imagine that if I was that person, um, I'd be scared to do that. I don't want to be made fun of. I also don't want to get in trouble. And so there's an opportunity for that person to stretch forth the nice hand. Jesus says, stretch forth your hand, not the withered hand. He said, just your hand. So you can say, here's the nice one. It's looking sweet. But that's not the one that needed healing. We've got to bring our withered hand to God and not pretend like everything's okay. Now, number two, we, we need to value truth more than we value temporal feelings. Here's why that's important. The truth can hurt our feelings. I once was at the, the Slater's house, a great family in church. They've got four kids and we were playing a game with them. And it's a game called Sardines, where all the lights are off and you're trying to find places to hide. And I, I stepped into this room that was pitch black. And I'm walking around trying to find a hiding spot. And I feel these little hands kind of grab my hips. And they're like, hey, Geordie. And I was like, what? So how did you know that's me? And it was little Ethan Slater. And he goes, I know the fatness. Was he being truthful? Yes. Hold on. Hey. <laughs> hey, listen. That could have been the motivation I needed, but it was a truthful statement. Did it hurt a little bit? Yes. You know, um, I don't know if any other husbands can relate, but sometimes you get your outfit out, your outfit's on, and you come out and say, hey, babe, how's this look? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Okay. And so I have a choice in that moment, do I want the truth or am I going to run out the door and, and dodge the truth and look perhaps like, where's Wally for the day? I like this saying from a, a pastor in the 1800s, he said, never let us be guilty of sacrificing any portion of truth on the altar of peace. Never let us be guilty of sacrificing any portion of the truth on the altar of peace. Everybody knows that movie line, you know, um, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You know, that's actually so true. A lot of us can't handle the truth. You know, so, sometimes I have an outfit on that I know is maybe questionable at best. And so I don't ask, what do you think? Why? Because I can't handle the truth. I don't want to have to iron another shirt. 
Here's what happens though. When you start to be someone that says, look, I don't want the truth because it hurts my feelings, you start to be surrounded by people who never tell you the truth. And what happens is, and, and Christian, Christians can be guilty of this too. We, we can do that and then don't be surprised when everyone in your life never tells you the truth and you stay the same for like 20 years because often someone bringing the truth to you in love is the biggest catalyst for growth in your life. Just because it hurts doesn't mean it's untrue. To, to live in truth, not dare, we've got to be prepared to swallow our pride, make changes, admit we're wrong and say we're sorry. When people can't do that, we, what do we do? We, we birth a new interpretation of the truth because we don't like the real one. What you said hurt, and that's your interpretation. Um, there's a difference between opinions and truth. There's a big difference. But what you need to know is, is that God does not have opinions because He is God. If it's God's opinion, it's the truth. Like, likewise, the Word of God, the Bible... All 66 books, it does not hold opinions. It contains the truth. We know what truth is because of the Word of God. You know, the, the, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ actually pushes past our temporal feelings to bring truth and healing to our eternity. God's priorities are right. He knows that what might be challenging and convicting and maybe hurts for a moment can help you for your eternity. Don't be someone that gets caught up in trying to feel good now that you stuff up your eternity. Number three, we've got to passionately pursue the truth. And, and the truth is it, is, it is God. It is His Word. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. We've got to be set apart by truth. What does that mean? Truth's in my speech truths in my behavior, truths on my social media, truths in my example. I'm truthful in how I deal with people. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. God wants to actually do a number on your thinking where you begin to value what's true where you begin to believe in truth and to attribute that to God and His Word and then to passionately pursue it. You know, uh, you know, sometimes people think like Christians are brainwashed. And I can say Christians certainly do get their brains washed by God. And thank God we do. Mine was hectic. The Greek says hectikos. You know... There, there's so much floating around now in society because we've devalued truth that people don't know what it is anymore. And I want to encourage you tonight that this is the truth, that God is real, that He is a loving God, that He is a powerful, holy, sovereign God. He's not a far off God, but He's actually a personal God that wants to have a personal relationship with you. He's a God who, despite us turning away from Him, many of us making decisions that we know are against Him, despite those things, because of His love and grace, He still gives us an opportunity to walk with Him. Even after we've maybe done evil things, in a moment we can turn to God, look to Him and receive a brand new life. The truth is that heaven and hell are real. 
and every person on the earth will spend eternity in one of them. And the truth is that God doesn't send people to hell. Our choices do, and specifically one of them, which is will we choose to turn to Jesus and receive His free gift? Will we choose to open up our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ's forgiveness, salvation, and fresh start? God does not send people to hell. Our choices do, and specifically one of them, which is will you receive the gift of Jesus Christ? God in His love has made that choice possible. You know, many people think that Christians think they're better than everybody else. It's actually the opposite. Christianity is the only religion where everybody in it says, we actually can't do this on our own. I'm not good enough to connect with God. I can't be holy enough. There's no place I can go to try and be more like God. I can't do it. I need the gift of Jesus Christ. All other earthly religions are about what can I do to please God, make Him happy and get close to Him. Whereas Christianity is, look at what God has done to get close to me. The, the truth that stings at first, but then brings salvation to your life, is that all of us are sinners. All of us are broken. All of us need God's help. All of us need transformation. All of us need change. I cannot be good enough. I cannot rescue myself. You know, that hurts a little bit. At first, you're like, I, I could probably try and be good enough. I could probably try and fix it myself. I could try and reach God. Maybe I'll go to Sri Lanka and kiss that tooth. Listen, the truth is this. What we could not do on our own, God did for us. In His love, in His grace, and in His mercy. And here's the truth. This is the truth, the truth of God's Word, that everybody in this room, no matter how old you are, where you've come from, no matter how many times you've done the wrong thing, we all have an opportunity to receive the love of Jesus Christ, to receive a brand new life. You know what else is the truth? You can live the most evil life and on your deathbed cry out to Jesus Christ and you can be saved. Your eternity secure. That truth hurts a little bit too. You love it. What about me? I've been on ushering for 16 years. Listen, the truth's challenging, but it doesn't make it not true. It's a beautiful truth that anyone can turn to Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful truth because it reminds us that God is a loving God, that no one's too far from Him. You can't outsin the grace of God. And no matter what your weeks look like, no matter what your life looks like, in this moment tonight, you can turn to Jesus Christ. You can turn to Him and receive that free gift. And it's really as simple as in your heart believing that, hey, what the Bible says is true. And I do believe that God is true. And I believe that Jesus Christ did die and rise again so that I can be in a relationship with God. When you believe that truth, the truth shall set you free. The gospel is the truth that comes to set you free. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.